0: You're listening to Errol Parker and Clancy Overall, editors of the Batuta Advocate on Desert Rock FM. Welcome back to the Batuta Advocate radio show recording live here in downtown Batuta. Now today we are uh, talking to a, a journalist, a podcaster, a great investigator, and someone who's actually... Been looking into something that that I find quite interesting personally. I don't know about you, Errol, but um, Colts. What do you know about them? Well,
1: I know that like most terrible things in this country, they happen in the more southern portion. I mean, as we've seen (laughs) down south, especially in Melbourne uh, and in uh, parts of regional Victoria and in parts of uh, regional New South Wales, we've seen... Plagues, poxes being put amongst people, we've seen terrible floods, mm-hmm. and out here in western Queensland we've just had nothing
0: but beautiful sunshine. It is true, but we're not far, we start getting down to that New England, you, of course you cross the New South Wales border, you start getting down the New England, you start kind of running into those exclusive brethrens and those other kind of Cornish and Celtic old religions, you know the signwriters, who are they called? The blokes that do all the stonemasonry down there on the on the New England Highway. The Freemasons. Yeah, no, there, there's there's another mob down there. They're Barnaby's most loyal booth actually, and uh, they keep to themselves. They educate themselves, and um, I'm not sure.
2: The Amish. The Amish. No, not the Amish. The, si-
0: it's a similar kind of brand. Handmaid's Tale. Handmaid's Tale. Yeah, there's there's a few of them, and and the Brethren. Cou- the Brethren. <laughs> the exclusive brethren.
1: Well, you know, they go to hospital when they have children, you know, they do have,
0: you know, a certain tolerance for modern medicine. We shouldn't discount that North Queensland had its own history of communes, you know, during the, particularly during that Jonestown era, you know, back when cults were really the thing, pre-internet, um, as we'll get <laughs> into. But Peterson. Yeah, 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 well, I guess. Well, he was a cult. That he was a cult. Was cult itself. still for PM. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yep. Yeah. Uh, what was his uh, wife's name? Uh, Flo. Flo. Jo and Flo. She could have been a cult lady flow. Lady flow. She
0: she invented fizzy. Would you believe that?
2: She uh, also had pumpkin scones.
0: Yes, she was an yeah. incredible, incredible host. Amazing guest.
2: woman.
0: We should get into introducing you now. I've been riffing here a little bit about my limited knowledge of cults. A man who has much more insight uh, than the rest of us, and indeed our last cultist guest, uh, Tom Tilly, who's in the scheme of things, experience was uh, quite uh, sterilized compared Very to what, to what you've dug into here. Thank you for joining us today, Tim Elliott.
2: Thank you, Clancy. Thank you, Earl. Thanks for having me.
0: Let's start from the beginning. I mean, we'll start off with the um, with the name of your true crime podcast. Like, it's true crime.
2: It's true crime. yeah. it's called Inside the Tribe. And
0: where did you first stumble across this tribe?
2: Okay, this tribe, this particular tribe. Well, actually, there's twelve of the tribes. Their name is the Twelve Tribes. So there's it's one group called Twelve Tribes. Confusing, but they're a worldwide cult, and there's about. They've sort of in nine countries around the world, everywhere from Brazil to Argentina, to Spain, Germany, all over the shop. Mm-hmm. But I first came across them because this guy got in touch with me ages ago, like 2008, when I work at the Sydney Morning Herald, and he found up saying I've got this. I think I'd wrote a, written a story about a deprogrammer, which is what someone who takes people out of a cult. Mm-hmm. So they sort of pull them out, like make, yep. help them escape, yep. essentially.
0: Bounty hunter, basically, for concerned families. About, kind of yeah. a
2: bounty hunter for concerned families, exactly. And then um, after that came out, this guy called me and said, oh, my God, I've got this you know incredible story. I was in this cult. It was crazy. I lost my wife through it. She's still in there. It was a nightmare, et etc." Et so he had been part of the 12 tribes. That's how I came across the 12 tribes. And then ever since there, I've been kind of following them.
0: So you kind of just filed that story, deprogrammer, 12 tribes. There's a bloke who's out of the game and then they just keep kind of popping up in your life.
2: They keep on, <laughs> they keep on popping up. They can't leave me alone. No, well, I got – basically people just kept getting in touch and saying, yeah, well – actually Matt, the guy who I talked to originally, said about – actually about 10 years after I talked to him, got in touch again and said, oh, my God, I've got this story. You thought my story was screwed up. I've got this couple, this Sydney couple, who joined in the mid-'90s And spent 13 years in the group and just had a kid in there, took two young kids in there, lost their minds, got treated like slaves, abused, shuttled all around the world when their family was trying to find them. There were kids dying, stillbirths. The story was freaking unbelievable. Now, Tim, you're an
1: esteemed long-form journalist, very long career working in the places like, as you did mention, the Glebe Morning Herald and... uh, (laughs) And their weekend lift out the great weekend. What made you decide to turn this uh, this story of the twelve tribes into a podcast series?
2: Um, what made me decide to do it? Because I thought it'd make a really good podcast.
0: Yeah, yeah. Is it is it just as too as much to fit to in it. as well? Like, I mean, some there was these- so much material. Yeah, yeah. so.
2: I... I met someone who makes really good podcasts, not like me, who's got no freaking idea what they're doing with podcasts. Mm. And she said, oh, that story, I read that story by you from ages ago. Why don't we do a podcast about it? And I was like, oh, okay. And then you're like, you're right. Yeah, like there's so much material. It started going and there was covering that story, Rose and Mark's story was fine and good. And that story kind of took us, a long way down the track, but then all this other stuff popped up from overseas, all these other crimes and misdemeanors and horrendous, fascinating stuff.
0: Which kind of reaffirms the the true crime element of it. You know, it could be listed in the uh, religion, spirituality, or just, you know, Aussie drama or Australian storytelling, but it is true crime. And I think it quite often is when you scrape the surface of this this kind of uh, movement. Can you tell me where the 12 tribes, where would their stronghold be? okay in this country
2: they have a little community out in Picton yep. so on the outskirts of Sydney mm-hmm. and they have a lovely farm there actually it's a really lovely farm called Peppercorn Creek Farm and I went out there to talk to him uh, I went to keen on talking to me but I did see the farm and it's stunning like it's really you know hills the lush green hills and a little creek running through it and they've got some sort of sheds there and places where they live and uh, it's really cool, you know, except the trouble is that they're, they're just a really hardcore fundamentalist Christian sect that practices really brutal child discipline and mind control.
0: I have been um, listening to your, uh, you know, your teasers that you've provided us with, and one thing I found quite interesting was it, it did feel like they were very, very well versed in the Old Testament.
2: Yeah, they're, they're right on the Old Testament. Yeah, yeah. so
0: yes. the,
1: so this group's they're rooted in more or less the Judeo-Christian teachings of the Bible yeah. as opposed to you know the new more progressive people in the Bible like John and the apostle Paul.
2: Yeah, yeah, they they're super old school, yes. They believe that so what they want to do is get rid of the leader who was around in the 70s who started this whole group in the 70s, a guy called Eugene Spriggs, who had a really fascinating sort of story himself, yeah. bit of a kook. Uh, he was a cook. carny, wasn't he? Yeah, he worked at carnivals yeah. and he was joined the army, got married three times and divorced three times oh, and then sorry. had a breakdown. In and
1: this country, they're called showies. History. Showies. But Surely. this was obviously over this in... This was in uh, the state, Chattanooga. Yeah. Chattanooga.
2: Chattanooga. His whole thing was he wanted to get rid of mainstream church, like established okay. church, just get that right out of the picture, get down to tin tax with, you know how it was when the first bunch of disciples were wandering around in the desert okay. after in the first century after Christ, right? Mm-hmm. So they didn't have any churches and scriptures or, or they didn't have any sort of written stuff. They were just basically bumbling around, supporting one another and talking about God, right? So that's how he wanted it to be. And then he just sort of pared back the cult until it got really, really fundamentalist. They basically follow, it's sort of a mix between the Jewish and the Christian Beliefs and it's really some of their theology is really messed up. Like their whole mission is to raise; they want to bring on the end of the world by raising 144,000 purebred male baby warriors, right? Okay. That can that can go out. Are going to go out during Armageddon and wage war on Satan and win? Okay. Right? So. Around the world they're steadily building up this army of uh, pure male children. So it's a, very, it's a very scary kind of end of the world, kooky bunch of people, but it's also really dangerous because they, they really believe yep. that the world's gonna end and they're gonna be a part of it. And they have this small group of really quite well-financed followers willing to go all the way.
0: So that's what I wanted, I wanted to talk about is that there's the well-financed element. I mean, we, we talked about the mix of Judaism and Christian. I noticed uh, the family that you kind of first got in contact with, the couple there, the Kiwis, yeah. were given Hebrew names.
2: Yeah, they're all give when you join, you're all given a new name, a new yeah. identity, a new set of clothes. Basically, it's full on. You are just withdrawn from society. That's it. You just cut off all ties.
0: It's an interesting recruitment tool. If, if, if you've got someone whose foot's in the door, and then to do that to them, if they're in a low, which these people had, you know, explained that they were, they were having a kind of lull in their life. Yeah, and they, they were, were
2: in between. In yeah, between. They, were, they were kind of vulnerable.
0: It's a great rebrand. And I think it's at that moment when you do something like, here's your new name. This is how you're going to dress now. This is your community. But then something happens where they start asking them about their assets.
2: Yeah. And that's what I want to ask, is, is yeah. this
0: why they're well funded?
2: Because anyone who yeah, comes they, there
0: with whatever they bring becomes part of the church.
2: Yeah. Part of it is that when you when you sign on, when you join and you don't join immediately. It's really interesting. Like you don't no one joins a cult and they go, oh, I'm gonna go out and I wake up this morning and I'm gonna join a mm-hmm. bunch of people who will manipulate my mind, beat my children and ruin my life. Yeah. Like, you know, you go, I'm gonna join this bunch of people who look like a really cool bunch of people living." live in Community with nature, and they provide for one another, and it's all beautiful. And then once you're in for a while, like about a year, shit starts to go really weird, and you learn about the kind of the inner doctrine. And that's how, by that time, you're kind of well and truly in.
0: And you've and, lost everything to them. Yeah, you've, you've given much, everything to them. You've
2: given, you know, when you join up, you give them, you surrender your possessions. If you have a car, you give it to them. They're and, asking
0: about super. And yeah,
2: yeah, they do. They, they're quite, <laughs> they're, and one of the guys I spoke to yeah Mark was like had a stake in a property in Queensland and they were like oh what, what can we do about that property you've got up in Queensland can we? <laughs> and then um he ended up selling out and it yeah. was about eight grand away from owning this thing and he just gave it basically to the other guys and said oh you know I don't don't want to be a part of that and he just looks back and goes oh my God, I can't Yeah, remember yeah that. he did
0: say it was Sunshine Coast. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that
1: block of land is probably a big uh, hotel now. I'm yeah. You know, housing <laughs> estate.
0: Tell us what you learned about cults. What did you learn about them in this, you know, this investigation? Because no one really knows what it is. They've existed for eternity, but no one really knows what it is that, as a society, we can never seem to rid ourselves of them. Hmm. What do you think? It- because people are really like.
2: Everybody, I reckon, at some stage in their lives would be... Like, you know how everybody's like, oh, I'm way too smart to be a, mm. become, you know, join a cult. You know, yeah. freaking idiots to join a cult. You know, why would you do that? But everybody in their lives, at some stage in their lives, is vulnerable enough for a certain period of time to fall into one of these things, to fall down the rabbit hole. Yeah, I mean, Actually,
1: it strikes at the innate human need to belong.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's all about belonging. Yeah. and. These guys, are Mark and Rose, they come back from Europe in uh, the mid nineties they're sort of trying to settle back in. She was Spanish, she's a Kiwi, but they were living in Sydney they're trying to reconnect with old friends, trying to get a job, etc. And one day- Yeah, what was the Trying to find action? a school for their kids, they had two mm. kids. So they're all a bit like, uh, you know, what's, what's gonna happen? You know, like we're just settling back in. And then they, Mark went to a festival in Newtown and he was walking around And this woman in long, flowing, cotton dress with a headscarf on came up and said, oh, looks like you need a home to him. And he was thinking, and he looks back and he goes, yeah, you know, I did. And she spotted it like straight off the bat. She knew exactly how to get him. And she gave him a pamphlet talking about the 12 tribes. And he was like, wow, you know, this makes a lot of sense. You know, like, so, you know, everybody's vulnerable in that way at some stage in their life, but also all these guys did was – they were just kind of, they were idealistic. Mm-hmm. So that wasn't a crime. All they yeah. wanted to do was live a better way.
0: Yeah. Well, that's what, and that's what they were met with when they first kind of got Yeah, yeah
2: you go there and they put on, it's the Disney face yeah. of the 12 tribes. It's all rainbows and dolphins. And
0: why can't it be just that, do you think?
2: That's a really good question. Yeah. Why can't it be? Well, it started that way. Mm. Like it started, it, maybe this is just the way of all things. Like yeah. you so it started the power started corrupts. really, yeah, power, well it does, <laughs> yeah. I think that's what it is, yeah. an absolute power corrupts absolutely mm. and this guy at the top started in 72, this group, just as a bunch of young Christians in a room in Chattanooga in Tennessee singing songs and talking about God and providing support for one another and it was really innocent and nice and then it sort of morphed over the years into this really bizarre ritualistic um, theology that Totally subjectifies women and severely disciplines children and believes in the end of the world. It, it how exactly it became like that is a whole combination of stuff. Eugene Spriggs, the the founder, was I reckon was kind of going a bit mad. Yep. His followers also wanted to please him; that they really wanted to please him. So let's be purer than the next guy, you know? Let's let's show. Eugene, how devout we are, hmm. you know. So that his teachings tell me to beat my kid. Well, I'm going to really, really beat yeah. the crap out of my yeah. kid, you know, to show the next person. Yeah, there's the really- inherent
0: competitiveness. And in Tom yeah. Tilly, we spoke to Tom Tilly um, about his book, Speaking in Tongues, and he said that was one thing with the kids, even though speaking in tongues, which was, a, you know, kind of the uh, base of his religion, that's what it was all based around, the one he yeah. grew up in, the particular sect he grew up in outside of Mudgee, he said the kids would then try and impress as well. Yeah, yeah. So the kids would I just, I just spoke tongues down by the creek for the first time. No one will ever know if that was true or not, yeah. but it's celebrated either way. Yeah, and then, yeah. You know, there's other kids getting jealous and then everyone starts playing into yeah. this thing. oh, they
2: buy in. Yeah. You know, and they start to, one of the really sinister bits that, that, we, talk, that we explore in the podcast is that when Mark and Rose went in, the podcast is basically about their narrative and how they, the journey they went through in this really horrific journey. And they, when they first went in, they were really in love. Mm-hmm. And it's really sweet. And they still are, like, when we went out and talked to them and met them again, I was like, wow, these guys are really, like, so <laughs> still in love. It was really beautiful. But after a while, what had happened was they—it's sort of the demands of the group and the desire to please, like you're talking about, saw them start to inform on one another. It was okay. really creepy. So they started to tell so the elders, "Oh, uh, you know, Mark's not beating the children hard enough. What oh. should I do? You know? And then Mark would go, Rose doesn't cook the food the way that you're saying she should. And then it all got really sinister and so it yeah. sort of almost broke them up. And the really amazing way they came back together, it's incredible.
0: Yeah, well, I'm, I'm interested to hear that. We won't, we won't spoil that particular love story yeah. um, because I don't no. think there's too many fond memories in, yeah. in the story. But did you find that with any ex-members? Do they look back with rose-coloured glasses at the good times? Yeah,
2: I reckon – well, we're really at pains to – and I really want to point out because people are always like, oh, journalists are always, you know, bashing these groups. But actually, as Mark and Rose told me and as quite a few of the people told me, former members, there was plenty to like about the group. Like it was really – It was, at the beginning, certainly a really utopian lifestyle. They farmed, they grew all their own food. Everything they had was pulled together. They looked after one another's kids. They felt safe, supported. Mm -hmm. They didn't want for anything. It wasn't like there was this horrible rat race out in the normal world that you're taking part in. And they made great friends, Mm -hmm. you know, and they found belonging. And so there was... An element of that but no most of the people who left left for a really good reason
0: (laughs) not because the times
1: are too good yeah yeah that's that's (laughs) what i wanted to ask because it's not necessarily illegal to join a cult especially in new south wales so what was it that brought 12 tribes to the attention of the new south wales police
2: uh well there'd been rumors about the 12 tribes for ages One of the reasons I started looking back into them was because I got a call from a a woman in the Blue Mountains, who we don't name, but she called me and said, "There's this group up here, and they're so creepy, and I've heard about them having a lot of stillbirths, like there's a lot of they have an unusually large amount of kids who die during birth, and then they bury them in the bush, right? And it's like it's really freaky, and no no, documentation. There's no. No, it's like it's totally legal. Yeah, 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 and." So she started to talk to people around in the Blue Mountains and other people were like, oh, yeah, but they, this group, the 12 Tribes, they have this beautiful cafe called Common Sense and, and really lovely I've food. Heard about, I've yeah.
0: heard about these people and they do a lovely, tea they do lovely yeah. teas. They do no, lovely teas and the food's uh, so nice. It's <laughs> the yellow deli just off the highway. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And, yeah. And so she was like, but no, these guys, are, it's really creepy and mm. there's something majorly wrong. Yeah. So she called me and said, now I've heard about another baby dying during childbirth and being buried out in the bush. You've got to look back in this group. So that's why I did it. And that's the same reason the cops are now looking into them because they, allegedly there are babies' bodies buried on their properties.
0: Do you find, I mean, aside from obviously this brand of Christianity that most people who have any semblance of, you know, kind of – religion would be unfamiliar with. The Old Testament, you know, even in the most Christian schools in Australia, they don't read a lot of that. But there's other things I saw, and particularly that family, you know, you open with. Everything seems lovey-dovey, and all these, like, you know, the men go and work and do manual labor in the farm. Women go and do the domestic duties, and, you know, the kids play. And then they all gather for screaming sessions. What was this? Can you explain a bit about this?
2: Um, It's kind of like a... Ecstatic, purging I think at the end of yeah. the day they are bearing of their souls uh, at the end of the work day so I think it was a big part of it as well that was another wo- so communal sit, element of this they'll sit there and, and scream and they'll sit yeah they'll get together at the end of the day and let rip and I think it's they don't necessarily do it every day I remember Mark and Rose saying, yeah, it was, but it was weird, you know, when they first moved in. But then after a while, they were like, yeah, it's yeah. actually quite good.
0: Yeah, yeah. They quite
2: enjoyed it because it <laughs> they were blowing steam off and they were working really
0: hard. Are they so- making money off the agricultural practices or is this purely about maintenance? Is this purely about just being at work?
2: Oh, no, no, no. They make lots of money. Yeah, okay. Oh, yeah. The 12 tribes around the world are a money making machine. Yeah. And it's, guys- so it's
0: not just from the, what I said, like taking the assets of new members.
2: No, That's- no, no. Oh, God, no. Okay. No, they no, have. They Man, they have uh, cafes, restaurants, building companies, uh, construction businesses, all sorts of stuff. A farm in Brazil. They got heaps of stuff going on. Yeah, they make a lot of money. And they particularly make a lot of money because they don't pay their walkers anything. Yeah. So, you know, in other words, it's slavery. You know, but again, these people do it. The members all work there. The 12 tribes members work in these businesses for free. They don't get paid a cent. They never see a cent.
1: Are they. A registered religious organisation, like yeah, oh, or yeah, like...
2: yeah, non for profit, all that stuff. Yeah. So
1: yeah, so they're not paying any much to. Uh, no. Nah,
0: right. They wouldn't be doing much on land rates either. I don't reckon it would be a religious temple or.
2: Yeah, I think that they've got it. I mean, in Australia, they the whole business has been reworked into a trust, yeah. discretionary trust. So it's very difficult to know what the hell's going on.
0: Did you find much sniffing around of you as you started sniffing around, or were you just met oh, with a brick wall?
2: Um, I met with a brick wall. I mean they believe that everything outside the 12 tribes is stained okay. and too worldly of this world and you don't, you're don't you not meant to care about this world. Okay. It's all about so God's they don't, world. they don't
0: care about bad PR. It's not like Hillsong who have lawyers and Scientology oh, no, who have lawyers. No. They, and a
2: no.
1: private army to come and <laughs> cut your legs off. Yeah, 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 yeah.
2: No, no, no. 12 tribes make Hillsong look very mild yeah. theologically. Yeah. They're, these guys really... They're bought into it and they don't believe that... You know, they don't believe in... They don't read magazines, radio, TV, nothing. They play games. They don't deal with money. They don't vote. They don't go to hospitals on the whole, unless someone's really dying. Yeah. But they don't believe any of that. They believe that the modern world is tainted and... So
0: how do these kids exist? They're all homeschooled. All homeschooled. So they really won't ever know otherwise unless, you know, they walk up to the fence gate when no one's looking one day and see yeah, a motor vehicle.
2: It's hard. I think it must be really hard for the kids. And I think actually the group's going to start to fall apart. And I think to an extent it's already falling apart here. It used to be big in Australia. It used to be about 140 people and now it's about 70. Yeah. And I think it's just inevitable that the kids, it's impossible now to keep kids in the dark. Yeah. They, yeah. will, they will find out something, mm-hmm. especially if you take them to work in the cafe. Mm-hmm. Like if they go to Blue Mountains and they're like, working in the cafe, which they do, then they go, hold on, all these other normal people coming in. They look yeah. really happy and cool and they're all, all on their kids, phones. These and kids they, get to play with tablets. And yeah, yeah, and yeah. they're doing this cool stuff and uh, I have to go back and pull up turnips yeah. and get my ass smacked. Yeah. You know, like what? You know.
0: The discipline thing, I mean, everything still seems quite lovey-dovey, really. If you want to talk about a utopia, you're not paying tax, you're not voting. You know, <laughs> you're know. Sounds- run, you running around in a meadow all day long yeah. and you have nothing to do with yeah. the outside world. That does yeah. sound like a utopia. Yeah.
1: And the only cost you have to bear is the occasional heavy flogging.
0: Yeah. Well, that's, sure. that's, that's what I want to know, is what do you think it is about this disciplining of children? Do you think that stems back to... Issues related to the founder or...
2: Yeah, no, I'll explain why. Yeah. Because you know how I said about the 144,000 pure male children. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Okay. So they have to be without sin. All so right. pure, morally pure. Oh,
0: so it wasn't like a Christian... Uh, oh, dream. no. This no. is
2: about... This is has a really clear reason, yeah. right? So they're raising these children as this pure army of boy mm-hmm. warriors, right? And it's up to them to... 12 tribes is going to raise this massive army... So, the kids have to be raised so strictly to obey every rule, every commandment, never sin, never break the rules. So, if they do, never lie, never never lie. And if they do, never get distracted by foolish things. They call it foolishness. So, children's games are foolishness. And it's so sad. Like, there was one girl I talked to in there, one woman who, as a girl, didn't have any toys because I don't believe in toys. So, she used to play dolls with a sock, her dad's sock. And sort of get the sock talking. You know, it's yeah. like, oh, sort of made me want to cry. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so it's all about, you know, if you're raising a pure army of people, then you got to you got to treat them, you got to beat the sin out of them.
0: Did they get a look in at this Royal Commission into institutional responses or they exist below that?
2: They are out of the picture. Yeah, right. And it's just disgraceful. I've got no idea. One thing is that, okay, so with the Catholic Church and the Anglicans or whatever, the people who took part in that, who were targeted in that, the Royal Commission, there were lots of people willing to come forward mm-hmm. and say, okay, it was terrible, this happened, blah, blah, blah. With the 12 tribes, by the time these guys get out, in my experience, they're so used up and exhausted. They don't want to talk Physically, yeah. psychologically, they're broke, they have nothing. Just restarting their lives from scratch is about all they can manage. Mm. So, you know, they, they're they just not up to it. Like I talked to one kid, I said, you got to file a a fair work clam. and he's like I just you know how am I going to prove it I don't understand the system it's all I don't have the energy for it my I'm just trying to get my head together you know he's a real mess
0: tell me the excommunication aspect is it like those other kind of culture here about where you know dad might get an idea that this isn't all it's cracked up to be dad wants the family out and then mum and the kids decide they want to stay they don't ever talk again? Is no, that they, talk-
2: never, they yep. never talk again. Yep. That's also a really full-on traumatic, sad element that there were quite a few people I talked to and a few people we focus on who haven't seen their own mothers for 20 years, right. uh, haven't seen their daughters, don't know where they are, think they're in a certain place but they won't respond, the tribes won't tell them where they are, It's just yeah, I mean, I don't know. I'm a parent that would really rip your guts out, having your kid disappear. And so one girl I was talking to was like, Why did Mom choose this group of people over me? And it took her she's still she's just severely disturbed. Yeah. It's like, Well, why the frick did my mum walk out on me to join this group of people? What about me? What was wrong with me? Yeah. You know, and now she can't even Find her. So it's kind of a form of death.
0: Yeah, I just don't understand how this. We have this church, and this is all. You know, credit to you for taking the moment to zone in on this church and, and piece together what's happening. We're not. I won't say church because they definitely don't think they're one. They're a cult that exists in however many countries around the world. Multi-million dollar operation, perhaps a billion if you really.
2: Yeah, that absolutely. They've got properties all around the world. They've got farms. They've yeah. got, you know, luxury yachts. Yeah, it's incredible.
0: They, they don't really seem to care too much about their outward PR. Yeah. How come we've never heard of this? Like, I've never heard of this. I've, I've heard of, you know, the Orange People mm. in Oregon. I've heard of uh, Waco, Jonestown. Um, I've even heard of some of those, you know, Opus Day types running around Goulburn and the like. But yeah. 12 tribes of have uh, never really gotten a look in. Why do you think that is? Do you think it's I have because... no
2: idea. Yeah, Do you yeah, think it's they're weird. a bit
0: too wholesome on the...
2: Because they present a really... Maybe it's because they do present this really wholesome facade or maybe it's because people are, have traditionally been really unwilling to talk about them because mm-hmm. they do lose contact with their family members. They will be taken away from the cutoff. Maybe it's because they're spread out all over the world... Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's a really good question, but I think it's going to change.
0: Did you find yourself being blown away? Like obviously you knew there was a story there before you, I mean, how many episodes did you? Nine, there's nine episodes. Nine episodes you pieced together.
2: And there's going to be like, we were looking at what we, I mean, there's another bunch of episodes. It's unbelievable the other stuff. We just couldn't get into the narrative because we wanted to make it like a proper story, you know, like starts here, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And then that happened, and then this happened. Yeah, you can't and really
0: be like, and then this day I discovered this. And then this yeah, day, yeah, yeah. It's yeah.
2: like we're telling a proper mm. story because I love telling stories, you know, like, you know, one, once upon a time, you know, mm. and then this crazy thing happened, and then that happened, and then it ended up like this, and then that happened. And, and by the time you've got that in, and you've, it, I don't know, there's just so much more material out there.
1: Yeah, like I'm having a look at the 12 tribes yacht here now. <laughs> it isn't like a yacht that you'd see on on the harbour. Like, this is a world-going... Like, it's got two giant masts. Mm. It displaces 400 tonnes, which is on par with, like, a naval cruiser.
2: And the really interesting thing about that boat is they use that boat in the States to sail up and down the Gulf Coast, um, evangelising. Oh, yeah. okay. So that, yeah, it's really I'm, interesting. So I'm, they just pop in to this and that town and hop Myrtle off. Myrtle Beach. Yeah, yeah, and just hop off and go into the center of town and start handing out pamphlets. Atlantic and, City.
0: Yeah, yeah. Just, I mean, it's there's weird. a lot of people that need saving <laughs> yeah. down that part of the world. And I mean, I guess that would, because I mean, at the end of the day, that's the one thing we found with this modern cult in this day and age is aspirational is now the pitch, right? Yeah. Once upon a time, it was come and join our religious movement and punish yourself. Because we will punish you and you will, you know, you will repent and we're the best at that. And nowadays it's like, compare the two, that's Dominic Perrottet. Dominic Perrottet is the punish yourself Catholic. The Opus Dei, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And Scott Morrison is the aspirational Christian. So, yeah, There's two different types. And I do think a yacht is going to be, in this day and age, going to be doing a lot more.
2: (laughs) It's got to be. It's, again, a great recruiting tool. yeah, Yeah.
0: Rather than seeing some poor Amish guy on a, you know, with a horse and cart, you're going to actually be a bit more yeah. uh, invested in what it has It isn't as these big as the Scientology brought. ship, though. That yeah, they've that, that got a way to go. <laughs> That's an old cruise liner, that
2: one. <laughs> they've got a way to go. Yeah,
0: yeah, they, um, yeah I mean, everyone, there is a reckoning happening for all of them, really. I mean, they've all started looking into what happened to the um, head of Scientology's wife, who's just been missing for all these years. Yeah. And, and it, it is a thing about when you... Has she popped so, up yet? No, she no. hasn't popped up. I don't know where she is and... And obviously yeah. the fall from grace of Brian Houston is uh, happening before mm. us right now. Yeah. Um, kind of timed dwell with Morrison and Houston. They all start going down. Well,
2: it's interesting you say that because the leader of the 12 tribes, Yonek, uh, which was his cult name, or Eugene Spriggs, he uh, died last year of COVID. Oh, really? So it's a really heavy time for them. So like, oh my God, that really rocked, that freaked them out. So
0: this is only basically a generation
2: that yeah. has popped up. Yeah. So
0: the, the founder... Started just died, just started in
2: '72 as a sort of a 30-year-old, and he just yeah he just died last year. They think of COVID, but
0: well, they won't tell them that.
2: No, <laughs> it's too well. they
0: they were a bit no. more medically
1: sceptical than most of us. Yeah. <laughs> Have you received any blowback, or if you haven't, do you anticipate to receive any from this group?
2: I don't anticipate receiving blowback from them because they'd go, oh well, you know. He's gonna burn in a lake of fire. Yeah. That's all we care about. We don't care about him. What will happen is a lot of people will get in touch. Mm-hmm. From Germany, the States, England, France, Spain, all of them will they'll hear about it because we've contact we've spoken to people all around the world and then it I mean, this
0: is a call out now for anyone, really. I mean every yeah, single month yeah. is a call out now.
2: So that's what Tim's I expect. emails are open for yeah, you. <laughs> you. Send it in. <laughs> yeah. So I believe, yeah, that's going to happen for sure.
1: Yeah. I've been looking at, um, there's a website that's got so much, it's like an archive of info on this tribe. And for every news article that's posted there, there's just the comments are full top to bottom with like, oh, these poor people. I was in there for 26 years. And then there's another one down there. It's like, I was in there for 10 years. It's almost like more people have left than what's in it. You yeah, I, mean? yeah. Like I
2: think... That site is incredible. Yeah, and that's, yeah. that shows how big the group is really mm. um, and how, how big numerically, but how their reach and the grip they have on people. It's really the mind control they exert, the level of control they exert. And so when people leave, they're just the awakening that people have. So they start these sites like, yeah. oh, my God, get out of the group. And, yeah. you, know.
0: you, you do a good job of explaining how people found God, You know how people found the 12 tribes. Throughout your podcast, do you have any example of people finding Satan? You know, I love hearing that story when they decided, you know, the first time they walked into a pub after leaving the church and realised that you could just sit here and watch football foolish games on the TV screen well, and drink schooners all day.
2: It was that's really interesting because one of the stories and one of the reason a guy left who we talked to, one of the main characters, he was in Canada and the cult had taken him to Canada because he was a chemical scientist, chemical engineer, so he wasn't a stupid guy. But and he still got he still joined them. So he was over there working for them, but he got all disaffected and was sort of thinking about leaving. And he went. They allowed him to go and spend time with his parents, with his mother, which was the big mistake the cult made. And so he he went with his mother to the zoo. I think it was in Winnipeg, and they walked in there and there was no one in the zoo. Like the place was not a soul. And they were thinking. It just feels a bit weird. And then they went into the gift shop and they looked up at the TV and it was the 11th of September, 2001. Right. And there were the planes yeah. flying into the towers. And Matt, the cult guy was in the cult and it was, What, what on earth? What's happening?
0: They let me um, up for one day and I can see and, how awful this place yeah, is. Yeah, I can
2: see how bad this screwed <laughs> up shit is out here. And um, <laughs> so he was like, yeah, you know, the world's a pretty messed up place. But at the same time, so then he went back in. He went back into the cult, into the community. And he's by this time, he's really all messed up. He's like, I should leave. I shouldn't leave. I should leave. I shouldn't leave. And they sat down at one of the meetings that night. And one of the elders said oh we've got to be more like because news filtered through the to the community that this had happened they couldn't keep that news out and one of them said oh we need to be more like the members of the 12 tribes need to be more like the the guys who flew the planes into the towers <laughs> we have to be more committed wow and, that's, that's a hell of a fucking pitch. yeah and so at that point he went um, I think I have to reassess yeah, right. my decisions. <laughs> and he turned to his wife and said, I think we need to think about what we're doing and she said, Why? Right. This is great.
0: Yeah, okay. So she was at the mindset of Yeah, and so to, they, yeah, we need to veer more into suicide bombing as yeah. well. Yeah, yeah, I absolutely need to drive a truck full of explosives into yeah. a farmer's yeah. market. Yeah. Right. So there is that you, you do see a little bit of a um a little bit of a fatwa element in there too, like a little bit of a you know,
2: kamikaze attitude. Oh no, no, no! They would never, they would never do that. They were like, we have to be more psychologically. We have to be more committed. Yeah, I don't think they'd ever do that. No, no. Um, Not until
0: Armageddon when they. Be have Not until Armageddon It'd when it's all on. Yeah,
2: and then it's just no. Not yeah. until they have
0: the soldiers. Not until they yeah. have the, how many? Hey, <laughs> you have
2: to get 144 <laughs> kids. That's a lot, right? right? right. um So it's going to take a lot of time. And when you got that army, you
0: can do anything. Yeah, yeah, you, you can't do anything. You might need a bit more in the States nowadays. <laughs> are they like those in the States particularly? Do they have a little bit of that American kind of militia in them? Or is it a bit more peaceful than that? It's not the Jefferson well, County. How do they go with guns and
2: stuff? I don't know. It's a good question. They just had a major fire. Right. Colorado's largest fire ever broke out on one of their properties and decimated like... right. Something like 25,000 homes burnt down. It's the biggest fire in the history of that state. Really? And and, and started it started on their property. <laughs> and they don't know what they were doing. They think that they were burning stuff in their furnaces. Yeah, right. And what they think, well, from members we spoke to in the States, they burn all sorts of stuff, like they have a lot of stillbirths. Yep. Right. What yep. do you reckon they're burning? Well, crematorium. Um, it's a yeah. crematorium. Yeah so that was pretty hectic also there's a, a couple of cult experts in the states we talked to and we get a lot of spend a lot of time with really interesting old couple who've been around for ages and they were saying a couple of years ago they had heard an australian either an australian cult member who was spending time in the states uh, who'd left subsequently left talking how he had heard talk of Stockpiling munitions right. in Australia, or the, they weren't clear, but they they said yeah, he was talking about having heard in the group that they were stockpiling munitions, but they were like, I don't think that'd ever happen. They're not quite like that, but yep. I don't know. You never yeah.
0: know. Well, I mean, nine episodes in, we'll see. Maybe in episode ten, uh, we'll we'll discover the, the exactly plan to take back the south or take back Picton anyway. What, from all the uh, property developers down there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, no, Shannon Knowles is the only thing I know that come out of Picton outside of the 12 tribes. Did the he,
2: he, was he from Picton? Well, he's living there now.
0: No, yeah, we he is from condo. From condo. Yeah. Well, th- there's so much here. There's so much here. Do you think you're still uncovering stuff as you go? Like- oh,
2: yeah, there's going to be heaps more. <laughs> there's going to be so much more. It's so interesting, and it's such a big story.
0: Well, nine eps in, that's Inside the Tribe. You can get it wherever you find... Uh, your podcasts on all respective platforms, uh, respectable, respective platforms. Thank you for joining us today, Tim Elliott.
2: No, thanks, guys, for having me.
0: I'm going home now to go further inside the tribe.